quiz time. Sorry, yes, my mustache is indeed gone. Down here. Um, I know that some of you appreciated the moustache. Uh, for those who haven't met me, my name is Josh. Last week I had an excellent moustache that was controversial. Some people didn't like it, uh, but it is gone. I'm sorry. I have a story for you when everyone is quiet. It is a story about how I was scammed money on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. I was, I was going about my day, going about my business, and I saw a targeted ad on Instagram, and it said one dollar dad hats and dad hats. You know hats that dads wear that like have a, that's like a certain genre. They usually have like a fishing emblem or something on them. Like here's an example of a dad hat. Here's a dad hat with a dad hat on it. Um, I want I want that dad hat. So if you ever see that, buy it for me. Uh, but I got this ad that said one dollar dad hats, and I thought, you know what? That's so good. That seems too good to be true. But I'm going to spend money on it anyway. No questions, hands down, no, no questions. Uh, so I was like, okay, great. Three, I'll get three dad hats for $1, that's $3. Three dad hats for $3, $1 each, that seems pretty good, right? And then I went to go pay for it and they're like, do you want a $10 smartwatch as well? I was like, yeah, who wouldn't? So I bought a $10 smartwatch and then they only, only took uh, express shipping. So $40 later, um, I'd paid for the express shipping and my three dad hats and my smartwatch. A few months later, I'm just going, oh, I wonder where those dad hats are. I'm really looking forward to them. I wonder where that smartwatch is. I didn't even need it, but $10. I mean, that's a steal. It seems too good to be true. Then I kept waiting and I kept waiting and then I found the original store and saw that it wasn't even really a store. It was just kind of like some blog and PayPal was not really PayPal and I didn't actually pay through PayPal. And that is how I got scammed. Uh, $70 in the end because it was American apparently. Anyway, the moral of the story is, no questions, David, hands down, hands down. Uh, the moral of the story is sometimes things seem too good to be true. Sometimes things seem too good to be true. And sometimes there's a promise that is made that seems so good that we either act without thinking, like I did, or we don't act at all. When it comes that promises have been made to you, when it comes to those promises, do they sometimes seem too good to be true? Like when you think about Jesus and the fact that he died for your sins so that you can live literally forever, does that seem too good to be true? Today, we land in Genesis chapter 12 as we continue our run through the Old Testament and we meet a man, Abram. And we have the God of the universe, the same God who made the entire universe, which we saw last week. We see this God makes a massive, seemingly too good to be true promises to him. So we're going to think about some of these promises. And firstly, that is that there are some huge promises that are made. So let's get to know Abram. Abram, or Abraham as you may know him, is a really, really old guy at this point in the narrative. He's the great, 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 great grandson of Noah, who God saved through the ark, who you might know. And as we're reading through Genesis, when we get to chapter 11, it kind of stops talking about people broadly and kind of vaguely and metaphorically and starts talking about zooming in on this one man, this one man and his family. The author zooms in on Abram. Up until this point, 
Abram had lived really comfortably in his homeland. Abram knows his family really well, and Abram had built up for himself quite a lot of wealth. And so it's to this man, this man Abram, that God makes some massive promises. Open your Bibles, have a read with me, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. It should be on the screen as well. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God here is making some massive promises to this man. Now just quickly, I wonder if as I was reading it then, or as Matthew was reading it earlier, you noticed how many times God says, I will, or you will. The next slide, please, Sarah. Many. It's in red because that just matched the background. But I just wanted to draw your attention to how many times God pretty much guarantees something. How many times in these three verses that God says, this will happen. I will do this. You will become this. This is because God is making big promises because God is able to control the future. And he knows that these things are going to happen. Now, sometimes people talk about the promises made to Abraham with different acronyms. My acronym is BLOB. Okay, BLOB. God promises BLOB to Abraham. We're going we're to look at the passage and we're going to guess what the promises are. I think I've said it before in this context, so you should know. Um, but what does the first B stand for? BLOB. Isaac. Blessing. Which verse did you get that from? Oh, it doesn't have the numbers there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So God says, I will bless those who bless you. I will bless you. So he says to Abram, I will bless you. That's B. B for blob. L. What's L? Chris? Land. Land. Where do we see that in the passage? Yeah. What does it say about it? We're making a great nation. Yeah, so that's kind of talking about the land, kind of talking about the people. And also, it was unfair. I didn't have it on the screen. Talks about land, I think, in verse 7. So a bit further on, God promises a big land to this person, Abraham. So blessing, land. O, what could the O be? Hamish. Others. Close. Save that for the second B. Isaac? Offspring. What does offspring mean? That's a confusing word. Children. Yeah, yeah. So Abraham's a really old man. He doesn't have any kids, and God says, I am going to give you lots and lots and lots and lots of offspring. Kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and nieces and nephews and all of that. That's B-L-O, and then what's the, what's the second B, Hamish? Blessing. blessing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God says to Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you offspring, and you're going to be a blessing to others. God makes humongous promises here. Firstly, this, this man's very old. How is he going to have kids? Secondly, this, this land, no one's ever been to it before. So how can he trust God? The answer is the promises that God is making are based on his character and his trustworthiness. Whenever anyone promises anything, the, the question has to be, is this person able to fulfill this promise? And is this person willing to fulfill this promise? Abram has to ask, will God, does God want to and is God able to fulfill this promise to me? 
Um, I was watching the show Loki the other day. Oh, Who's yes. seen that one? I reckon that's the, the best Marvel show so far. I was sick on Monday and I watched the whole thing, all six episodes in a row. But, okay, shh. Sorry, not permission to speak. Um, at the end, Loki and one of Loki's variants, which is basically Loki from another timeline, they were like chatting and there was like this big climactic thing and they needed to trust each other. But Loki says to Sylvie, which is Loki from the other timeline, you can't trust and I can't be trusted. If Loki makes a promise, Sylvie didn't trust him because he has broken the promise so many times, time and time and time again. If Loki, someone like Loki promises something, that promise is too good to be true because you can't trust the person. Can God be trusted? Has God delivered on promises before? Is God trust or is God sus? That has to be the question for Abraham back then, and it has to be the question for us today as well. Because God makes huge promises to us. There's some huge promises by God for everyone in this room to do with these promises to Abraham, and they're to do with the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is a phrase that we don't really hear until the New Testament, but it summarizes everything that's happening in the Old Testament. Because God is the king, God is in control of absolutely everything, and so the kingdom of God is talking about how God's people sit under his rule as they live in his place. So the kingdom of God is God's people in God's place, living under God's rule and blessing. So I've got a table on the screen. And here, this is kind of a summary of the last two weeks, like last week and today. God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. The first two chapters of the Bible, God created everything. and There was no sin. There was no selfishness. There was no people saying, Shove off God, I'm in charge, not you. And everything was good. Adam and Eve were able to live in the garden in perfect relationship with God, submitting to his authority. And they were given authority to rule those around them. But then when sin enters the world and humanity chose to live for itself, everything went wrong. God's people were no longer God's people. They no longer lived in God's place. And they no longer lived under his rule and blessing. These promises God makes to Abraham are to restore that. This promised kingdom to come is to fix what happened in Genesis chapter 3, to undo the wrong that came when sin entered the world. God is promising Abram the kingdom. He's promising that Adam and Eve's rejection of the kingdom of God would not last forever. Have a flick forward a few chapters with me to Genesis chapter 17. And here is God yet again promising to Abraham. It should be on the screen as well. When Abram was 99 years old, that's very old. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You... Abram, this old man, will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. God made this big promise, this covenant to Abraham, and that changed him forever. It changed his name. It changed his destiny, his identity and his destiny. He's now going to be the father of many, many nations. Many nations will be blessed. That's the last B of blog. Blessed through Abraham. Not just his physical children, but people all around the world. Of every language, 
of every nation, of every tribe. This is where this is a promise to you and to me. Because when it comes to us, I don't know, I don't actually know how many people in this room might be physically Jewish, like children, literal children of Abraham. But through Jesus, the good news is through Jesus, we can receive the promises that were to Abraham. So could you put the Galatians verse on the screen for me, please? Galatians 3.29, Paul says this to this church, if you belong to Christ, that is, if you live with Jesus as your Lord, if you trust him, you are Abraham's seed or descendant or offspring, and you are heirs according to the promise. The promises of the kingdom of God aren't fulfilled right away, but they point toward Jesus. And even though we're on the other side of Jesus to Abraham, we are recipients of that promise just as much. We can be God's people, living in God's place, sitting under God's rule and blessing, trusting in Jesus, being in a relationship with the Creator. It seems too good to be true. And that's because it sort of is. The good news of Jesus seems too good to be true. We don't deserve it. It seems too good to be true. It seems like it's too good. But God is trustworthy. He makes these big promises and he calls his people to act. So the last point today is that his promises need to be acted upon. Abraham can't just sit back. He's called to act on the promises. And so we see in a couple of verses in Genesis 12:4 and 15:6 and a few other chapters that Abraham did what God told him. In the Bible reading we had, Abram went just as the Lord told him. God says, I will do this, 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 and you need to do this. And so Abraham, of course, obeyed him. He trusted God. And while that trust indeed wavered and was shaky at various points, he tried to have kids through another means, even though God had promised one specific things. And when God made these promises in chapter 17, he literally fell on the floor and laughed in God's face because he didn't believe him. He still acted like he trusted God. He still trusted God. He did what God said. Abraham did what God said and God had promised him so, so much. Do you find it hard like Abraham to act on God's promises? Especially when they might seem really far away. Like, firstly, do you trust in God's promises? Do you truly believe that God is both willing and able to fulfill the promises he's made for you? Promises of life and of hope and of love. And secondly, will that trust mean that you actually trust Jesus and obey Jesus? Will you be willing to leave what is comfortable for the sake of the promise to come? Abraham had everything. He had it all. But God said, leave what you know and trust me. I wonder, would you be willing to do the same thing? Because God's promised kingdom, his people, in his place, under his rule and blessing, requires active trust. We know that Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. We know that these promises of God's people being in God's place, under God's rule and blessing, have already run true in Jesus, who's died for us and who's raised from the dead for us. Who has, who has done what is required so that we can be called children of Abraham and be blessed through these promises. 
In Galatians 3, in another chapter in Galatians, we see that Jesus redeemed us, that is, he paid for our sin, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, those who aren't Jewish, might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. God has made so many massive promises for you. You might be thinking he's talking about someone else. No, for you, everyone in this room, everyone who trusts in Jesus, God has made humongous promises for you. And the question is, are you going to trust them? Are you going to actively trust them? I just, I just went through the book of Galatians. I've done this before as well. And I tried to get a picture of the promises that God has for us in Jesus. There's a million promises, right? Like there are so many. Here are just some from the book of Galatians. If you can't see, maybe like move your neck so you can see. I think it's at an angle. I'm sorry. But there are so many promises for you. If you trust Jesus, God has all of these promises, all of these things for you in Jesus. We are heirs according to God's promises. We are adopted as God's children. We are blessed by God. We will receive the promise. We are given a new life. We have the knowledge and the certainty that Christ is living in us. God has promised so much for you. Now, sometimes these promises don't feel close. Sometimes it can be hard to recognize and remember that we are children of God or to trust that we have a certain future. But when it comes to God who makes these promises, the future is just as certain as the past. He looks ahead and it is just as guaranteed as what has already happened because God has got this. No promise that he has made will ever fail. He's planned it all, and there is nothing that will take him by surprise. God's promises are unstoppable. So junior high, do what he says. Step forward in faith in God's promises. Because they're not a scam. They won't suck you in and not deliver. God makes huge promises, but he is an even bigger God. God's promises about his kingdom are huge. But they are fulfilled in Jesus, the one who reigns over everything and whose kingdom will never end. And so may we respond in trust and obedience to God and his promises. I'll give you time in discussion groups to work out what that might look like. Knowing that God is more gracious and faithful than you deserve. Let us cling to him. Let us trust his promises are good. I'm going to pray that he would help us do so. So please pray with me, my friends. Our Father, we thank you for your tremendous promises. We thank you for how beautiful you have secured our future in Jesus. Please give us trust and obedience to your promises. Help us respond to what you have to say, like Abraham, in obedience and in faith. And help us continue to hold true to the fact that Jesus is King. And what he promises is good and will happen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.